and we're good to go. There we go. Rebecca Walker, Pottercast in three, two, one. Thanks a lot for joining us here on this Pottercast. I'm joined by my lovely wife, Lori, once again, and we're joined by Rebecca Walker. Rebecca, thanks for being on the Pottercast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, I met Rebecca through your husband, Jamal, as an assistant coach with GCU, where I do some broadcasting. And through that, realized we had um, something in common that both of our children were diagnosed with epilepsy. And uh, you guys have been really involved with uh, on the forefront with athletes and epilepsy and uh, being on the board. And so I got a chance to chat with you a little bit at a halftime. Mm -hmm. That is a really quick conversation yes. <laughs> and there's a lot going on and it's super loud <laughs> and I enjoyed the conversation. So I wanted to kind of extend that mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, but, but tell us, you know, walk us through your journey to start off and take as much time as you need. How did you guys get involved with the epilepsy foundation epilepsy board? Yeah. So, uh, you know, our son Braylon, he has epilepsy um, and we were living in Illinois at the time. And so when he had his first seizure, um, there weren't a lot of resources where we were. Um, you know, we lived in Champaign and it felt like everything was in Chicago. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that, so there just wasn't a lot there. So he had his first seizure about two weeks later, he had another one. I feel like maybe three months after that, when we finally were starting to find our ground again, to feel a little bit more um, like everything was a little bit under control and where we had a little bit more time, we were looking out and to find a way to get involved. Um, because we just felt like if it was hard for us and we had access to drive to go to different places, like how hard is it for other people who don't have the resources to travel, to go um, find help or get to doctor's appointments or to find support. So we found the Athletes versus Epilepsy at that time and we got involved and um, just kind of started running from there. Uh, when we, you know, made the announcement that we were going to do that there, that the University of Illinois, their student section is called the Orange Crush. The president at the time, her sister also had epilepsy. And so she had reached out to us and we were able to do some fundraising stuff with them and events to just kind of raise awareness. So I would say that's how we got started. When Braylon had his first seizure, was that just totally out of the blue? Like like so many, was there any, any there was any thought that he might have epilepsy before yeah. that? No, I mean, when he was about 18 months old, he had a really high fever and had a uh, febrile seizure. And so, you know, that one, when we went to the doctor, they just kind of said this happens sometimes. Um, you know, so that was when he was 18 months old, didn't think anything of it. And then when he, he was four, uh, it was a normal day. We were getting ready to have the team over. Um, I made him take a nap because he was really excited to, you know, see all of, all of the players and stuff. Um, yeah. And when he woke up, I thought he woke up but he wasn't awake. He was kind of out of it and it progressed from there. Um, so no, there was not really anything other than that one that happened when he had the high, high fever. So did you know when he was, so he was about four when he had that first kind of seizure out of the blue, did you know at the time what was happening when, when he yeah. got up and no, I mean, I think, you know, when it started, um, you know, because I have a younger son too. And so I was holding the baby uh, and Braylon was sleeping on the couch and he, you know, kind of stirred and woke up and he was sitting on me. I don't think I realized that anything was wrong. 
until, um, you know, I looked at him and he, and realized that he, like, maybe he was responsive. He was saying like, yeah, but he wasn't really there. Um, and it kind of progressed, you know, I laid him on the ground and that's when he did have some convulsions. Um, and then, you know, his lips started to turn blue. And so, you know, we called 911 or I called 911. Jamal was at practice. Um, it just kind of progressed. So did I know that that's what was happening at first? No. And I felt like it took, it was so long, <laughs> You know, that first, it was so long right, from when right. I called 911, from when they got there. Um, but I will say we had amazing neighbors at that time, our neighbors across the street. Um, her husband was a police officer. And so he, when he saw the fire truck and ambulance at her house, just like walked in my house, like found my keys, like took my baby, like, and just did everything. So I'm very, very thankful we had amazing neighbors when oh, we lived there. Nice. Yeah. So then once you, once they took him to the hospital... Mm -hmm. And then what were the next steps for you there? Were the, was it connecting with your family doctor? How did that, how did the whole process of yeah. getting involved and kind of getting your footing uh, yeah, so after this first one? We, you know, the first one um, at the hospital, we did have an appointment with, um, we set up an appointment with an epileptologist at um, the local hospital, but the, but that doctor wasn't there all the time. Um, but in between setting that appointment, and, and there was a second seizure. So by the time that we saw him, um, he was actually really great. He told us that we should go to somewhere else so that we could have somebody that would see the same person all the time, but also keep a relationship with the local hospital. Because if something happens when we're at home, you know, we want to keep a relationship local, but he did tell us to seek out and go somewhere else. And so I'm very thankful and appreciative that he said that because he didn't have to. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, with his experience, he was, he said that, and how long Braylon's seizures were lasting, that that was what we needed to do. So how, how long were they lasting at that time? Like about 15 minutes, even with oh rescue medications. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, um, and that yeah. first one was long like that. It was long and it progressed, you know, it started with him kind of being out of it and then, you know, mm. just it progressed. I would say after he went on medication, um, they changed and it, it wouldn't, they don't look the same. Um, but still long, still long. Yes. That's, that's very scary after mm -hmm. just like two or three minutes. It's, um, where are you guys at in the, pro I mean, we'll, we'll jump around, but where are you guys at in the process with Braylon now? How, how many years ago was that? And where, where are you guys at in the process with yeah. his epilepsy? So Braylon's 10 now, um, he hasn't had a seizure and I think four, four years, maybe five years. Oh, wow. Um, but so it's controlled with medication. We actually, he has an MRI scheduled in a couple of weeks because I, we're at a point where we want to make a really informed de decision about what we do next. Um, so previously when he had an MRI, he had like this little tiny spot of white matter in his brain. So did that resolve? Is it still there? Is that causing it? Is it not causing it? I don't know, but uh, you know, we just want to make sure that we're looking at everything to try to decide if we want to, go off of one medication and just try to stay on, you know, one instead of two or what we want to do. So we just want to make, he's on, he's on multiple now. Yeah. He's on two medications. Mm -hmm. Two meds. Okay. Yeah. Were you able to, how soon after that, were you able to, or were you thinking about connecting with maybe other families or other people or finding other people that were dealing with the same thing? I mean, I would say what was interesting is that when Braylon had his first seizure, there was somebody else on the staff whose wife um, had epilepsy, who I had hung out with many times, and I didn't even know. 
And so I think connecting with her right then was very, very helpful. But then after going to the doctor, I would say, and maybe learning more uh, and, you know, and we're going through the test, just realizing that I needed to talk to people who understood in a different way. Um, Because people, you know, people always say, oh, how are you? And it's, and people say Mm -hmm. that as like a nice thing. And sometimes it's like, well, actually I'm not great. Right. Like I'm stressed out. All of this stuff is happening. And I think so often people say that. And um, sometimes you do want to actually give a real answer and just finding people who can understand where you're coming from. Yeah. How how difficult is it for you guys? I mean, every, every family that, that, that has this and goes through it has different issues, but you know, a coach's life, I mean, you move Mm -hmm. a lot. Right. And so, you know, we, we've been in Arizona the whole time, but when, when Caden went off to college, like, oh my goodness. And he got older. Oh, maybe we need to find a new epileptologist, but you get, you get really comfortable with the one you've right. got, you know, how, how difficult is that for you guys? Yeah. I mean, um, I think that changing doctors when we moved here, that was a bit challenging just because one plan of action and one course of action we were on and then here not, um, not being on that same course when we first get here and somebody's looking at it with a different opinion and which, which opinion is right. I would just say that maybe the thing that we've learned in the process is you have to be such a big advocate. You know, I think doctors are busy. There's a lot of room for human error, you know, like sometimes they're busy yes. and maybe they didn't read the entire chart. You know, they haven't been with us the whole time. And so just making sure that you ask the questions or raise the concerns that you have. Um, but, you know, there are a lot of options in Phoenix versus, you know, we were in Champaign, we were driving an hour and a half to Peoria, mm-hmm. Illinois to go to our doctor. Um, so I just, you know, you just have to really be a good advocate. And and I would also say, if it's not a good fit, it's okay to get a different doctor. Like, I think yeah. sometimes people think, oh, well, this is the doctor I waited forever to get in there, but it's okay. If it's not a good fit, it's not a good fit. That's such good advice. Yeah. Do you feel like you've had from the beginning kind of a gut feeling about okay, something wasn't right here, or we need to do this? Or do you feel like you're kind of led by, you know, kind of this mother instinct or anything like that? Or I think um, I pay a lot more attention now to when I can tell when Braylon is tired. I think, you know, lack of sleep is a trigger for him. And so kind of that look that he has on his eyes where it's like, oh, we need to sleep or we need to cut this short. We need to make sure we have a really good night's rest. Um, I think I do pay attention to those things more. Um, But I can't say that I, anything would have told me like, oh, he's going to have a seizure today. I can't say that. Like auras Mm -mm. or anything specific you guys can look at every time other than maybe the lack of sleep. Yeah, no, because his typically have been when he's waking up from sleep. So coming, waking up from a nap or waking up early in the morning or, um, but they're never just in the middle or they haven't been, I don't want to say never, it hasn't been just in the middle of the day, we're out doing an activity and it happens. Um, I will tell you, you know, it's interesting. One time I remember Jamal and I had gotten into an argument um, and I was like, oh, go sleep somewhere else. We slept in Braylon's bed and Braylon had a seizure that when he woke up that morning. Oh, wow. And wow. so um, I, I, you know, was that God, was that whatever? I don't know, but that's not something common where if we had an argument where I would be like, please go sleep somewhere else. I need my space. Like, you know what I mean? But like, and then, and then that's yeah. what happened. Yeah. Um, so I, I think right away, I think that's a God thing. He like mm-hmm. put him there for that yeah. very reason and use that, but 
Wow. Yeah, that's interesting. Now, how does I mean, it's one thing to tell a four year old, six year old, seven year old to go take a nap. <laughs> how does mm-hmm. how does Braylon do with all this stuff? You know, when you're like, hey, you're tired, dude, go take a nap. Yeah, well, it's funny. The other day we got up really early. He had a basketball tournament and, um, you know, Phoenix is large, uh, massive, right? So you yep. could say, oh, we have a tournament that it's in town, but it's still a 45 minute drive away. And I think the first game was at eight o'clock. Mm. Um <laughs> So I remember that day we came home and both kids um, were like, oh, we're not tired and fell asleep within five minutes when I made them lay down. (laughs) But uh, I would say most of the time, you know, in the evening, he knows that he's tired. He'll tell us that he's tired. Um, So I would say he's pretty good about it, recognizing his limits as well. I know there's there's obviously different. It affects every person differently. Mm -hmm. You know, there's different things to deal with. lifestyle wise, I mean, has he been able to have a a normal, you know, what we would consider a normal, you know, kid life? I mean, you say he's going basketball, he's doing these tournaments and stuff. Yeah, I would say everything's pretty normal. I would, you know, just trying to figure out the right medications with the different side effects and how they treat everybody. That's been, you know, kind of an issue navigating, um, especially when he started the medications, you know, you're four. And so is this his normal temperament? Is it the medication that's causing this? Uh, It's hard. It's hard. It's hard to know. Um, and as as you talk to other families are you finding kind of the same story or are people surprised because it's interesting you mentioned the temperament like how the medications change their personality their temperament their eating habits their were you able to connect with other people were they asking you these questions did you find you had similar stories or I don't know stark contrasts and in different side effects and things Yeah, I would. Yes, I would say yes. And I'd say everybody's journey is different depending on, you know, where you live to and what access you have to care um, and whether you're seeing a neurologist or you're seeing an epileptologist who's Mm. who, you know, that that's their specialty. Um, I think last year, the Epilepsy Foundation, they held an event in Nashville. It was called Epicon. Um, And so I went to that. It was really um, moving because of the number of families that traveled, I remember this family came, I don't know, I think it was maybe from like Oregon. And that was the first time that they had really interacted with other parents who just, um, understood. And I remember this one family was talking about their issues with the school. And I was like, yeah, like we have a 504 plan for epilepsy because the medication at the time, like is the behavior, the medication? Is it not? I don't know. But the best thing to do was to have a 504 plan to make sure that there are accommodations in place to help um, kind of meet some of those needs early on and not just say, oh, this this kid is a troubled kid. Um, If somebody's listening to this and they, you know, because I think I mean, at least with us, you, you mentioned it too. When it first happens, you're kind of like, well, what do I do? You know, mm-hmm. how, how, how do I, and, and the doctors start trying to figure out how to stop it and how to not fix it, but try to make it so you don't have these and control them. But then you got to deal with the schools. You got to deal with other kids. You got to deal with all these things. I mean, is the epilepsy foundation a, a good place for them to start and how do they get, how do they get involved at least to get some, get some help? Yeah. Yeah. So if you go on the epilepsy foundation and you put in, you know, where you live, I don't know if it's on there by zip code or state. Um, but you can see if there are any support groups in your area and it'll connect you to a local organization. Um, so even if you go to you know epilepsy.com, uh, you can get connected to Arizona that way um, mm-hmm. and see what's available. I know here in Arizona, um, my friend Allie Anderson, she's the ED over there and she's doing some amazing things. I know she just said that they're starting like another support group um, for families, not just for people with epilepsy. And then they're doing that new camp 
uh, a family camp because I think it's awesome. And in, in Arizona, they have a camp for kids with epilepsy, but they're doing one that includes the whole family. So maybe some kids who need a little bit more care or who parents whose parents aren't comfortable yet to send their kids to the other camp. So I think that that's awesome that it's an option. How did you first hear about this organization? Google, just in the process <laughs> of looking up epilepsy, right? Seizures. I mean, yeah. I feel like that's what happened. Uh, I was just kind of Googling and then, you know, Jamal was coaching and there was, you know, the athletes versus epilepsy um, and saw some of the people who were involved. I was like, oh, we should do that. We should do that because this is affecting our family. You know, we we go to these different events. We're supporting different things. Like, let's do something to try to make a difference. Um you know, for other people, not just our own, because there's no cure. I think that that's the hard part, that there's no one treatment plan for everybody. There's no one set cure. There's no, um, this is what we do. And these are the steps we take. And so I think that's really frustrating. Um, So just getting involved to try to help move that process along so that there's better treatment options. What was the first step for you guys getting involved? It was with the coaches, the athletes versus epilepsy. And how, how did that, how did that work out? Yeah, uh, just kind of sent an email asking, um, and the person who was over it at the time, she lived in Chicago, and so uh, Jamal was at the University of Illinois, and so we reached out and asked about it, asked our athletic director if we could do a game, so we did uh, a game that was, it snowed that day, that was the only thing that made it (laughs) not as great, but we did one of the preseason games, we did an epilepsy awareness game, and so we put information, you know, on the scoreboard um, before the game, and just had some handouts that we gave, and so that was the first year, and then the Orange Crush got involved, and so we did a dodgeball tournament with them, And then the next year, um, the school actually reached out to us to see if we wanted to do the epilepsy awareness game again. And that one, we got to do it when Illinois played Michigan. And so it was just, (laughs) you know, and then we had, um, they had some purple pom-poms that were on the seats in the student section. We got some rally towels made for all of the students. And again, um, you know, had some of the information up on the scoreboard. They actually showed a video that we did at that time and we did a knockout tournament. And so the finalists got to do the knockout at halftime. So when you moved from Illinois to Arizona, mm-hmm. you know, what, what was you guys process? Did you get a referral from your doc up there in Peoria or did you just kind of talk to people? Cause you were, you were with the foundation by that time. So you probably had some good contacts. Yeah. So when Braylon, so the timeline, when Braylon was first diagnosed um, that year, there was actually a coaching change at Illinois so that was back in 2017. And I remember Mm -hmm. being like, if there is any way for us to stay for one year, like we need to stay for one year because we have a support system. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we ended up, we stayed three years after that. Um, and then we moved to, we moved here and it was really just a referral, told the doctor, our current doctor, we're moving to Phoenix. Can you send the referral to Phoenix children's? And that was during the COVID year. Um, so our mm. first appointment, we actually had it before we even got out here. It was virtual. Um, but you were part of the Epilepsy Foundation before you. Before we moved. Yes. Here. Yes. And then I might have missed that. But exactly how how did you get so involved right away? I mean, you have young kids, you're dealing with this and you're a part of this neat organization. Yeah, so. I would. I think. You know, I, before we had kids, I had, I worked, right? And so uh, when all of this happened, I was doing different volunteer stuff in Champaign, like whether that was Junior League or with uh, United Way. And so 
with Jamal's schedule at that time, I wasn't in a position to go back to a regular full-time mm. job. And so that's kind of how I got thrown in. I remember when, um, they called and asked if one of us would be able to do it. And I, I was very, uh, blunt. I was just like, well, if you're wanting Jamal, he doesn't have time to be on the board, but I do, <laughs> but I do. And yeah. so that's how, um, I got to on the board and got involved. And I would say that first year was definitely a learning curve, right? Because, uh, it's a national board. So not everybody is local. Uh, sometimes you're traveling for board meetings and the time, the time schedule, but most of that was happening when the kids were at school. Um, so I was able to make that work. And then what's the main goal and focus of the of your position in the board members and how do they direct it and their main? Yeah, so when you're on the board, you know, the overall mission is obviously to support people with epilepsy and to, you know, help them to have better lives, right, and to find a cure. Um, but then there are different committees that you can be on. I happen to be on the fundraising committee. Um, and so, you know, just trying to find ways to connect with people. I think the thing about fundraising with epilepsy versus some some other organizations that are out there is that epilepsy is a very uh, personal um, type of, of, of illness. It's And so... I think for people to, it's, I, I don't want to say it's harder to fundraise, but I think that you have to make sure that you really connect with people so that they can hear the story versus something else where you could just say, oh, I'm going to support this walk because, because it's this. I just think it's a very different type of illness that you have to fundraise in a very different way. Why do you think that is? I, th I think you're right. But why do you think that is with epilepsy? Um, I think because people just don't know. I think that, you know, you say it, it's, it's kind of like, uh, I've seen that image before of like an iceberg, right? And so people only see the tip, right? So if you right. if you have an occasional seizure, like I don't want to. Maybe people are thinking, well, you're not you're not going to die, but people do die from seizures. People right. not a lot, but people do. And so I think it just makes it harder when people just see that one little tip, and it's just like, well, you're not having seizures all the time. You're still able to be in sports. You're still able mm -hmm. to go do all of these things. They aren't understanding all of that stuff that's like below the surface where it's, I have to make sure that I sleep. I have to make sure that I take my medication at the right time every day. I have to, um, you know, travel to the doctor. It's just like so much more, or sometimes my mood isn't the way that I would like it to be because of the medication. Um, so I just think people only see that tip of the iceberg versus, you know, if there's like a natural disaster in mm -hmm. the world, like people are just like, oh, let's just go donate because I saw this big, massive thing that happened. Not saying that there's anything wrong with it. It's just a very yeah. different, um, a different way. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a, there's in this this disease is there's a lot churning underneath mm -hmm. as far as everything you're saying and the worry, the process, it's, it's somewhat un, unpredictable in many people. And that's all under the surface that people don't see. So. Yeah, I would agree. And then as parents, gosh, it's like, I remember there was a time where I wasn't sleeping at all. You know, like just like in that first initial phase, just I could not sleep anytime I heard anything. I would just jump up and the adrenaline would be rushing and it would just I just couldn't go back to sleep. Um, so I just think it's a it's really hard as parents. I'm sure you know this, you've been sending your son off to college on the other side of the country. Um, just 
it's just hard. It's just hard. Like my son, he still has a monitor in his room at night so that I can mm -hmm. hear. But would I even hear if something happens? Like, I don't know. But it, yeah. I need that peace of mind so that I can get some sleep too. Yeah. We I've, used monitors and video video monitors. Yes, yeah, for a long time. Mm -hmm. For a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Have you guys tried, you know, some people get like the dogs that are trained or the, you know, the animals, which mm -hmm. is amazing that they can train them to do that to like, but with him not having necessarily many auras or anything, have you guys, did you guys look into that at all? Um, we have not. Um, I, you know, I think that and just like with some of the devices too that they have yeah. that are out there, like his seizures aren't necessarily like like that where they would pick up movement or jerking because his seizures now on medication, that's not how they start. So mm -hmm. um, we have not, I mean, we've looked into it, but I don't know that those are yeah. the best fit. Um, a yeah. dog, I mean, we have a dog, he's not trained, but. Um... <laughs> <laughs> we have three dogs too. They weren't trained yeah, either. They're Although, really not trained. Yeah, no, yeah. They, they weren't, they weren't trained either until after something happened and they, you can, they could tell, mm -hmm. they could tell something's going on and they wanted to yeah. you know, kind of be around and stuff. Yeah. But, I mean, I yeah, would say dog barks if somebody gets up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, but. Yeah. To, to warn you there. Yeah. 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 So how does he, how is, how is Braylon doing at 10 and how's you have a, he has a younger brother. Yeah. He has a younger brother, Andrew. He's seven. Uh, but yeah, Braylon is good. He, um, he's playing basketball. He's going to school. We tried baseball this year. He loves to go to GCU games. Um, <laughs> he, he's good. He's, uh, very bright, smart, empathetic kid, um, you know, just trying to manage his emotions, whether that's the medication or being 10 hormones. Wow, we, had, <laughs> we had so many of these discussions yeah. growing up with Caden, you know, through yeah. that, because certain things would happen, same type of thing, bright kid, empathetic, sweetest kid of our four, no offense to our three girls, <laughs> but by far the sweetest kid of our, they know we already, we tell them uh, we're horrible parents. We tell them that they're not as sweet as their brother, yeah. but, 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 but we went through that too. We'd have these conversations like, well, is that the medication? Is that why he's mm -hmm. acting out? Is, is it actually something in his brain that is, is different, wired differently? Is that why he's doing it? Or is he just it's he's an age medication. He can't control his emotions, you know? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, and, and you know, I think you're right. Like not everybody understands that. And especially like in school systems mm -hmm. and people are not familiar with your family. They don't know, like there's a lot, there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on underneath the surface and there's just no way to figure it out mm -hmm. at this point. And you just yeah. manage it the best you can. And, and he does as well. So, yeah. I'd say the other thing at the age that he's at, he's been on the same dose of medication for probably like three years now. And so then it's like, do we need to increase it? Do we need to try to go off of one? That's where we're just trying to make a really informed decision. And is the amount that he's on causing these other behavior issues because it's really not enough or, uh, you know, because right. everything affects everybody's brain differently. And then, you know, he's 10 different hormones. Is that causing it to be different so yeah, yeah we'll see it's yes. hard it's hard this don't know what the right decision is <laughs> yeah because there's no, no there's no one one path for no it. playbook specific mm -hmm. for it you know everybody's different it yeah i mean we would always i mean looking back it frustrated us time when, when we'd hear somebody in medicine say oh this is the right medication because there's no side effects <laughs> we're like oh come on <laughs> you know there's no such thing as no side effects right. we, we get it yeah. so yeah mm -hmm. that's a that's a tough one i mean especially because like you know the dosage when you're an adult you kind of stay around the same weight mm -hmm. and thing but when you're a kid especially if you have a growth spurt we we went through that too with Caden where 
we sat on the same dose for a really long time and we're like, gosh, this About is five or doing six anything, years. you know? Mm -hmm. it, it was very it scary, not? very scary because you're just waiting for that shit right. to drop. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you don't, but you don't want to increase it if you don't have to. Right. 100%. Uh -uh. Yeah. Yeah. Does, does he, does he take his, like, does, does he know when to take his meds and stuff? Do you guys still say, Hey, go take your meds? We, we had to do that with Caden. I don't know till, well, now. even now still yeah. <laughs> in college to make sure he's doing them on time Literally and still filling now. up yes. his pill box. Yes. So he doesn't go, I think I took it, you know? Yeah, no, we had, we definitely have the pill box. Um, I would say sometimes he's really great about, if, you know, if we head upstairs and we haven't reminded him, then he'll remember. But um, I, both, he's both. Sometimes he does. Sometimes he doesn't. He's 10. I mean, is yeah. He Trust known, but verify. <laughs> is he aware of the work that you're doing with the board? Yeah, he, he knows that I'm on the board. Um, he knows. I mean, he still talks about those games that we did at Illinois. Mm. I'll have to send you a video wow. or in pictures because it was just a really cool atmosphere. Um, but yeah, so he does know. And he, uh, I want to say even one time at school, they did a project and he came home and what he drew was like a picture. It was like me and it had the Epilepsy Foundation. And that's what he drew for his picture at school that day. Um, so so he's aware. Oh, wow. Um, you know, I think if you've never been to the National Walk, I think that that's a really cool experience um, to to be just to be around so many people who, um, yeah, in one place. I remember when I I went the first time. It was when we were doing athletes versus epilepsy, and I didn't know how much I needed that. Um, but then also, you know, the young adults who were there too, who were able to just connect with people, and it was it was a really cool experience. Um, so if you haven't done that, you should do we that sometime. That. No, no. Yeah. Where, where, where do they do that at? Is it? It's usually in Washington, D.C. I think this year it's at, um, I think May. I have to look to tell you the exact date, but it's in May. And it's at one of the baseball stadiums. It used to be on the National Mall. Uh, but mm. this year it's at one of the baseball stadiums. But it's cool. And then the local walk is here at Phoenix College. Uh, I think that's the first weekend in April. In April. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We'll have to check that out. No, I mean, we, we got involved a little bit, but really it was kind of just like reading and researching and trying mm -hmm. to figure it out. And then we had a certain one doctor for a while, but then, um, well, I think doctor, a, 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 an epileptologist moved in, right. We were at Phoenix children's and mm -hmm. we had kind of an old school doc for early on. And then, a <laughs> then, a, then a new, newer guy who was an epileptologist came in and, and, uh, he was great. He was great. Mm -hmm. We've been, been with him since. Mean, yeah. Even till last year. And Mm -hmm. was 19 but he's you know when you have yeah. a support system as you know you want to you, you know you just keep going right. back to them and and we're kind of in a transition with Caden now as yeah um you know he's in college but he's young adult but he's mm -hmm. needs all that support and, mm -hmm. yeah um, and then right. in Athens like where I, where does he go, go in Columbus. Athens? Yeah, we go to Columbus. Yeah, you go to Columbus. To That's the, what I was going to say. I didn't know if he had somebody yeah. local well, or not. And I, yeah, and I, and, I, and I was talking to Jamal, and he goes, oh, we got somebody in Cincinnati that's really good. And I was like, oh, we could have done that too. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, we, and he's and he's really good. But like to your point, he's – I mean the guy's brilliant, the guy we're going to now, but he's seen Caden one time, and Caden's, mm -hmm. you know, 20 years old. And uh, he now he's like, hey, let's run all these tests again. And we're like, oh, geez, man, we, you know, we, we, we already did that once. Do we need to do that again based on what it is? So yeah. you're kind of restarting, you know, mm -hmm. almost all over again. Well, it's just constant evaluation. There is no end. Mm -hmm. There's just a constant, I don't know. It's just constant reevaluation. Mm -hmm. See know. where you're at. See exactly. whatever the baseline is. Has the baseline yeah. changed? Is it the same? Exactly. Is it? Yeah. yeah. 
it never ends because there's not a cure. It's just management. And, mm -hmm. and you just keep working with the next level, the next stage, the next age, the next symptom, all of that. But yeah. I wanted to ask like, what, what are some of the, like the most fulfilling things about being a part of the board for you? What do you like about it? Enjoy? Yeah. Do you feel like it's maybe helping actually I don't yeah. deal with everything? I would say being on the board, um, gosh, we had this, um, when we were in Nashville, everybody on the board and some of the boards from around the country for like the local organizations, everybody kind of like shared their story. Um, and that was a really moving two and a half hours dinner. Uh, but it made me just so thankful to be a part of this group of people that I didn't want to be a part of but just how um everybody was so connected and are able to just tell you like to understand you know the the feelings that you're having or to just give you other options or ideas um like there's one board member you know they at the time um where they were living they nothing was working for for their kids um and so they ended up they wanted to try like cbd but it wasn't in their state yet. And so like she became a resident of another state so that she could go and do that for her child. And that's what worked. Mm -hmm. um, wow. So I just think everybody's story and how they got to manage it and what you're kind of figuring out and your determination and the love that you see everybody has for their children. And, um, and even though that's happening, everybody still just kind of wants to make it better for everybody else so that nobody has to experience that feeling of like right. I don't have anybody to turn to um mm -hmm. right so I, I would say that just kind of those connections are that's probably the most rewarding thing for me and knowing that maybe someday there will be a cure <laughs> that maybe the work that we're doing now is helping to make a treatment to, to for there to be a cure when will that happen I don't know um but just kind of that 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 would be the other part knowing that we could be a part of that yeah, I think it's interesting that that story that you told about the the woman with, you know, being a resident of another state to, to get the CBD to try it. I mean, because you're at mm -hmm. that point sometimes where you, uh, we got to try anything, you know, right. and yeah. sometimes they're restricted. It goes back to that being an advocate, which is mm -hmm. we tend to want to walk in and whatever the doctor says. We go, OK, you're the smart, smart one, you know, but right. sometimes with this stuff, because everybody's kind of figuring it out, you know, as, as they go. I mean, they're really smart guys and girls, but they're still kind of figuring it out. So. Being that advocate, was that, I mean, did you find that hard? Did you guys find that hard to do? Or was that just like, hey, this is my kid. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to advocate for this. I, I'm, I'm not going to worry if I hurt anybody's feelings or if I, if I feel like that. <laughs> oh. I think you're asking that because there's, there's, you have to work through the medical system, mm -hmm. as you know. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. not easy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say, um, am I more of an advocate now in you know, like we had to change doctors, right? And so I would say that that experience, um, knowing what tests we've already done, knowing the whole history, like the doctor, just like you're saying, your son has a new doctor, they don't always know the whole history. Mm -hmm. And so uh, even like this MRI that we're doing, like that, I'm definitely the one who was pushing for that just because I want to know, we want to know if it's changed, right? Like, I don't want right. to- like if it's changed and that could alter your opinion, then right. then let's do it. It's not going to hurt them. Um, right. So I, I would say that. And I would say also 
you know, our first doctor, when we went to a children's hospital, um, was fine, but that doctor left and we got a different one. And I didn't know how amazing like a doctor could be until that happened. Um, like the other one was fine. There wasn't anything that I didn't like about her, but then we got, we got another one and it was just like, oh, wow. Like you're very different. You're very different. And it was just a better fit. And I think that that was a very uh, eye-opening, like I was saying that sometimes not everybody's the right fit for. Can you put your your finger on like, what, what was that difference about the doctor that was just so great? Um, I think the biggest thing probably you know, with science, everybody, science is great, right? But I think that you also have to remember that the patient has different things too. And so for the one doctor, it was like, well, this is the science. This is what it's, what is supposed to work. And the other one was like, well, this is the science. This is what's supposed to work. However, it's your child is doing this. So I don't know if that actually works if that makes sense just kind of like making melding the two seeing the whole picture and not just being so focused on the the medical science part of it yeah it is interesting because they're they're yeah we've experienced that too i think everybody does with with doctors Mm -hmm. right it's it's an art too Mm -hmm. Uh, sometimes more of an art than a science (laughs) you had mentioned earlier about like it's okay to switch doctors did you have to go through that process at all at a point where you're like, yeah. I need to switch. No, I mean, when we were, when we were in Illinois, I wouldn't have switched the doctor left and we got another one. And mm-hmm. I think that that was just an eye opening experience. Um, you know, I, I think when we saw that first, um, doctor in Champaign and he said, make sure that we have our relationship in both places. I think that that was very important information, um, for us to be able to have access and care. And so, you know, when Braylon had a seizure in Champaign, we would call Peoria to the children's hospital and tell them and talk to them there and make sure because the epileptologist was there all the time. There wasn't yeah. always one locally. You know, they only came one day a week or one day a month or whatever it was. So how long would you be waiting for somebody who's a specialist to review it? So I think that that was good information to have. Right. Well, it's interesting too. I mean, the 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 connection you guys out here now but the Ohio connection, because that's where Caden yeah. goes to school. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I so strange. And I knew Jamal had had coached there for a time, but I didn't realize the whole connection. Like your you your family is a big part of that athletic uh, yeah. program there at Ohio University. Explain to the people, you know, what your mom did and, and how you and Jamal met and all that stuff. Yeah. So I uh, grew up in Athens, Ohio. I went to Athens High School. My mom started working at the university, maybe when she was, I don't know, I'm going to say like 18. Um, so wow. when she, when she wow. retired, she retired, she had worked for the athletic department. If you hear my dog, sorry. Um, oh, that's okay. she, had, she had worked for the athletic department more years than anybody else. Um, so like she worked for more than 40 years, she started in the ticket office and then she, uh, had a couple of sports. She worked for baseball and football. And then when they moved the football offices over to Peden stadium, she just Mm -hmm. had football. Um, yeah, so she worked there. I went to school at Ohio, did my undergrad because they have a great tuition plan. Um, Mm -hmm. when I was growing up, I got to go 100% covered and then, I came back for grad school, and when I was in grad school, Jamal was there coaching, and so we met, got married on campus at Gulberth Chapel, so if you've been on the green, then we oh, got wow. married there. We had our reception awesome. at the OUN. Um, wow. But yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. 
<laughs> yeah, we um, Kate, when Caden was trying to pick schools, we went up and visited uh, Kent State up there. Mm-hmm. And then we were driving down and and we'd never been there. I had a buddy who went there, but, you know, he was like, it's the greatest thing ever. But everybody, you know, people say that. Mm-hmm. So we're driving down over that hill over. We see the river, the Hawking River. And then we're driving kind of over the stadium. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. And then Lori wasn't with us. And I told her, I said, I think I know where he's going. I go, that was, yeah. that was, that was something else, man, driving <laughs> in there. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a very, very pretty place. What do they call it? The Harvard on the Hawking. <laughs> um, that's one of, one of the nicknames, but yeah, Athens is pretty. Campus is gorgeous. Um, what you know, did the, you study when you were there? The fall is, I actually studied journalism and public relations, uh, and then I got my master's in public administration. Um, I was working at a nonprofit and wanted to, you know, go further in that nonprofit specter. So I chose the public administration versus the MBA. Um, Little did you know that you would be on a large nonprofit board. Like, right, right. I, did, I, yeah, later, I, didn't, right? I, I mean, didn't know. Yeah. Pretty good preparation, probably. I mean, having an idea of how things were going to work, you know, from an academic standpoint and now seeing it play out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, uh, definitely not what I saw happening. I feel, I think <laughs> when I was in college, I actually, my dream job, I wanted to do fundraising for like a hospital. Mm. And very p- close. P- yeah. PR, PR and fundraising for a hospital. Close. That's what I wanted to do. Yeah. So very close. And now you get to do it as a volunteer on the board. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. You were about to say something about the fall in Ohio. Oh, yeah. Just it's so pretty like in the fall. Well, and also the spring, like the cherry blossom trees along the uh, along the bike path over there. It's really pretty. But then the fall, all of the leaves. Yeah. And so homecoming is fun with the big alumni band comes back. Um yes. So yeah, it's just, a... just run into people in the airport. Of mm-hmm. I'm part of the marching 110, and I come back and and then uh, it's I... crazy that alumni organization. People go if they see like us with anything, they go crazy. Yeah. Ohio, what's your you know? Had no there's, idea. There's actually a lot of people out here that graduated from Ohio. Yes. <laughs> so, well, it's funny you mentioned yeah. the cherry blossoms too, because mm-hmm. last year was Caden's first year, and I'm looking at something on social media. I think it was a National Geographic about one of the best places in the country to see cherry blossoms is at Ohio University mm-hmm. in Athens. And I, I called him up and I was like, Hey, are you, <laughs> are you, are you seeing like cherry blossoms? Like I just read, this is one of the best places. I always think of DC and he's like, yeah, they're right here, mom. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, they're all, like all along the bike path. It's, it's really gorgeous. It's I can always remember, uh, you know, when I lived, when I was in school, I didn't have kids, but now I'm like, oh, if we lived here, that's when you want to go get your family pictures taken. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Was it so. difficult leaving there? Cause I mean, you grew up there and everything. And I mean, like you said, with the, you know, when you marry into the coaching life, you're, you're going to be, yeah. mov- you're going to be moving. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I think being out here in Arizona is a little bit tougher. Cause I can't just drive, you know, when mm. we were in Illinois, it was a six hour drive. And so, you know, load the kids up and do that often. Um, so it's harder just not being close to, you know, my parents. Um, but Phoenix is great too. The weather, <laughs> you can't complain about the weather. Um, yeah. but I do, I do miss the Midwest. There are a lot of things I miss about the Midwest. My kids miss snow. Um, <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. Yes. Caden, Caden loves it up there. You know, he grew up out here and mm-hmm. we were, we weren't sure what he would think, but he loves the weather and he, Mm-hmm. It doesn't get that cold that often. We buy him a really expensive, nice winter coat, and he never mm-hmm. wears it. You know that yeah. type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, just his 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 Ohio hoodie is all mm-hmm. he needs up there. Yeah. But um, well, we were talking too before. I mean, Ohio football had a really good year. Does your does your family still follow that? Is your mom still yeah. retired, involved in that? 
Yeah, actually, I took the kids because the bowl game was down in Tucson. So I called her. I was like, oh, we'll we'll drive down. Can you call somebody to get us tickets? So we went to the bowl game down in Tucson. Um, Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, it was fun. Went with some other people who graduated from here, some former players that were playing when I was in school. Uh, So it was fun. Like the kids hadn't been to Tucson or on U of A campus before. So they enjoyed that. Um, But yeah, you know, we're following. Yeah, Ohio won, and then... In dramatic fashion. (laughs) In dramatic fashion, yes. I feel like that's all sports lately. Um, (laughs) Right. You had a heart attack a little bit. Yeah, so we were, you know, we watched the uh, Bengals game the other day because his dad had coached at Ohio. Joe Burrow's dad coached at Ohio when my mom was there. So we're big Bengals fans, although Jamal is a Chiefs fan, but he'll still support the hometown guy for the rest of the family <laughs> i'm trying not to smile really broadly because yeah. i grew up in kansas city so <laughs> yeah well he is he is excited about that too i mean i think last year they played each other we we did a they whole bingles yeah. yeah we did a bingles chiefs you know watch party at our house um yeah i'm on a text chain with some of the guys that that um that do the uh, broadcast with Paul Coro and then Josh Hauser's the idea mm-hmm. and bryce wheeler we travel together to the, all the stuff and when we were in kansas city um they were playing and I, I kept telling them how great Travis Kelsey was like the greatest tight end ever. So they, they renamed our text chain, Travis Kelsey, Travis Kelsey fan club is our text thing. But, but I, I was texting them during the game going, you know what I hate about this? Joe Burrow is my second favorite quarterback. I yeah. love everything about that guy, but he's mm-hmm. playing the chiefs. It's driving me crazy. Like I can't root for him because yeah. he's playing the chiefs, but you guys knew the family and did you yeah, know him great growing up family. and everything? Or? Yeah. So they came, um, they were in Ohio Gosh, Frank Solich came there in the early 2000s. Um, I don't know if Jimmy came in that first year, but he was there, you know, for yeah. years with him. So, yeah, I mean, my mom will still see uh, Robin Burrow at the grocery store because she teaches at a an elementary school. She's a, well, I shouldn't say teach. She's a principal at an elementary school. And so my mom would often see her oh, really? early in the morning before she would be going to work. Um, last time I was in Ohio, I was at Courtside and... Um, you know, Jimmy recognized me, came over, gave me a hug. So yeah, they're, they're it's like really, really a great family, like a very yeah. humble, um, great giving, loving family. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, you well, can I, see I, that, you can see that in Joe. So yeah, but really a yeah, great He's family. a lot of fun too. I, I like him a lot. I, I hope he always gets the FC championship, but never the Super Bowl. <laughs> Is that bad? Is that, <laughs> that, that fan comes out at, at the yeah. end there, but well, hey, thanks a lot for the time. We really appreciate it. It's fun talking to you. Like I said, when we chatted, I told Lori, you know, I'm, hey, I'm going to talk to Rebecca at the halftime. And then when we got done, I was like, golly, man, we barely can touch on anything. Mm-hmm. And it was like five minutes with everything going on. So I really appreciate you coming on. And uh, if people are interested, you said just go to epilepsy. Is it epilepsy.com? Yeah, you go to epilepsy.com. Um, you know, if uh, local in Phoenix, uh, the walk is April, that first weekend in April. Okay. Um, and then the national walk is in May in DC. Uh, but yeah, go to epilepsy.com. There's lots of resources. You can get connected to locally. It doesn't just have to be specific to Arizona or wherever else, yeah. but yeah, you can get connected locally. And, and what is, I, I did want to ask you this, Braylon, what's, what's his younger brother's name? Andrew. Andrew. They're mm-hmm. both into sports, both they like all sports. Yeah, and, What's their favorite? Andrew is running track. Um oh, so okay. we just had our first track meet last week. Uh and it was fun to watch, you know. It was really what fun. Does he run? He, 
what is he uh, so he everything? ran um he ran the 60 meters 200 and 400 he did not want to run the 400 but i think that he has the potential to be really good at the 400 um <laughs> but for for his age group too you know he didn't i think he he finished like the top 10 to 15 and everything that he ran and for oh, his nice. first time so it was fun it was fun he likes I'm, it he really likes it yeah i'm not as familiar with track but what do you see when you're like he has really good potential to be great at the 400 how do, what does that look like um i mean he like he he didn't want to run it and he you know was second in his heat i think oh. um and so he just needs to learn how to run it like he just started too fast but even at the end then he was sprinting like that last 50 yards mm. um because he was like oh i can get a little bit faster time he's competitive he just and he and he likes to run so i just think he has potential there i mean the other I ones yeah. Yeah. I mean, the coach, what did the coach say? The coach said he's strong, so he would do well at it. So I'm going <laughs> like to go with long, it. A long sprint, right? Yeah. The, the, four, yeah. the 400. That's yeah. I mean, and to be able to do that, he, yeah, he's seven and he did so yeah. well, That's you a know, lot of steps, a lot more steps in a, a grown yes. person to run the 400. <laughs> yeah. And, and then I was thinking about it when I was on the treadmill, I was like, man, the 400 meters, like if that's one lap, I don't know that I could run one lap in the time that he did. Yeah. You know, like you I'm thinking, like, treadmill up and like no, test it out. No, no, <laughs> too old. I'd like pull a muscle, but I was just thinking when I was running, I'm like, oh, if I run a six minute mile, like, no, I could not, I could not shave <laughs> a whole minute off of like one lap. I could not. So, oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> He's fast. <and> yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's a, but did they try all sports? Do they, I mean, is, is, do they like them all? Yeah, Braylon, he did baseball in the fall. He wants to do flag football. Um, he really likes basketball. Uh, Andrew, uh, he we noticed he was fast, so we suggested track, and he's actually really loved it, uh, but he's playing basketball, too. He doesn't have an interest to try baseball. Um, oh, that hurts. He doesn't. He doesn't, but Bray, Braylon did. He liked it. <laughs> he liked yeah. it. Uh -oh. Well, it's tough not to when dad's coaching basketball too, and getting to go to those GCU games. Those are pretty. Those are pretty exciting to be around and stuff. So, yeah. basketball, I'm sure, is probably one of the one of the top ones. But oh, that's cool. I every every coach I've ever talked to in this podcast or anything, and Jamal probably says the same thing. You probably they always say when you're young, you know, to play everything, whatever, oh, whatever you like, just play it. Don't you don't have to specialize as early as everybody thinks you have to specialize. Mm -hmm. Just have a good time, you know. Right. So, oh, that's cool. So you're so you're um, you guys as weekends are. At Packed. a track, at a baseball stadium, <laughs> mm -hmm. at a basketball tournament, at a GCU game. Like there's no, no time to breathe, right? With two no, of them running around. No. It's like I used to have Sundays, but now uh, it's like basketball season. So th there are all these tournaments for Braylon. It's like I, now I don't even have Sundays. Um, <laughs> no, you're running. Yeah. Day. Uh, that's that's exciting. That's, um, I'm, glad, I'm glad he's doing well. And like I said, thanks a bunch for the time. It's great you know, getting to know you better and getting to hear your story. And we'll see you out at the GCU games. Yep. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Rebecca. And right. thanks for listening to the Pottercast. Bye.